Dave Novak. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me on our podcast. <laughs> well, I spoil you. What's happening? Um, okay, well, you've been on tour and I've been working hard. Good. And okay, so you last week you were in Perth and mm-hmm. um, I just thought I'd get some more interviews and I called like Julia Jacqueline. Whoa. Yeah. A real superstar. Yeah, I, I kind of like fanned out, but she was the best. How was she? She was lovely. She was so good. Um, I mean, you were touring and stuff, but I'm sorry I got to take uh, take the honor myself. That's okay. I'm proud of you. But I'm just going to like play you this interview. It was over the phone. It was over Facebook and... Um, and it's great. Like, she's awesome. Um, check this. Okay. Um, I can't wait. Hello. Hello? Hi. Hey. Hey. Hi, Jackie. Hello. How are you? All right. Um, I'm going to stop you there, Tom. Yeah. What the fuck was that? The Sounds it's like a, shit. No, it's cool. Like, just... No, it's fine. Just like listen through the noise, you know. Like she, what she's saying is so good. Which uh, I guess is a, this kind of sophomore slump, overthinking it. And I'm just wondering if it was as easy as it seems for you. Or hmm. was. Um, I mean, yeah, I actually feel like I should say the third album scary. All right, hold up, hold up. I got. I will have to actually stop you there. That is literally unlistenable. Yeah, and she like she was in a hotel. She didn't have like like Discord or Skype or whatever. So she just had a phone and it was like through Facebook. And I was recording on, so it was trying to record two sample rates at once, which doesn't turns out it's real. It sucks. So, and unusable. Yes. So I'm gonna say, you messed up. What can we do now? What's the time? Three. He'll be at work. Hello. Well, that was a quick pickup. Hello, John. It's me, Dave, your bandmate. Oh, hi. Your bandmate and best friend. I'm just uh, doing a little doing a little podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks for calling. Are you busy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I usually am during a work week. <laughs> <laughs> what's that like? What's 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 having a job like? Um, I'm just uh, uh, no, don't answer that. Don't, don't care. Um, <laughs> gonna just uh, update you. Spoke to Tom. Went to his beautiful studio, uh, which surprisingly has heating. We he spoke to Julia Jacqueline, had a surprisingly long conversation with her. She was great. He oh, yeah. fucked up, and the audio oh, yeah. sounds that, that's not surprising. No, but it sounds like really bad. Like when he said he fucked up, I was like, all right, I'm sure it's sal- salvageable, but it's like actually unlistenable. Is this any of it? Can you hear any? You can any hear like enough. Different? You can hear enough, so it's like, oh yeah, that probably is Julia Jacqueline, but then it goes away. <laughs> and she had interesting shit to say. She was kind of as dark as we were. John, it's Tom here as well. Um, Bye. can I just play you one thing that Julia said that I think you both need to hear? I was just wondering if it was as easy as it seems for you. Um, I mean, yeah, I actually feel like. Polish Club have released their second album, Iguana, and they're feeling pretty down about the whole thing. We're trying to figure out what's the deal with the second album blues and if I can help them change their minds. This is Polish Club's... Stop myself! 
If we're talking about the sophomore slump, Julia Jacqueline probably doesn't fit the bill. Her second album, Crushing, is more like, I don't know, Terminator 2. Like, I'd say it's a raging success and she's been touring it constantly. And I caught up with her and everything she said lined up with everything we've said on this podcast and our other guests. But then I screwed up. (laughs) Because this is my sophomore slump. But a few months later, she was back in Australia and I weaseled my way into her life again. And she graciously took a second phone call from me. But things seem to be different now. Hello, Julie Jacqueline. What's up? Um, thanks so much. I'm so glad this sorted out. Uh, <laughs> just for your sake at home, I'm just going to cut some of the groveling and me apologising or being thankful. I'll just skip to when we started talking about what we were supposed to be talking about. Good. Okay. I, if, you actually sound like you're in like a lighter and kind of maybe a happier place since I last spoke to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah, I think when I spoke to you, I was in the I was about to embark on two months straight of touring, and I just finished four months, and I'd had about a week off. <laughs> okay, so, so I definitely was in a place where I was like, "Oh, the to- <laughs> like the toll this is taking on me is it slightly greater than the enjoyment I'm getting out of it?" Which is something you've got to yeah constantly weigh up, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, we spoke to Montaigne last week about uh, how touring is a real pain, but it's worth it for the performing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's funny because I I feel like as well, the other thing is weird about this job is like, if you catch me on one week, my views on it are going to be so different from the next. Mm. Um, Very, yeah, like especially where I'm at in touring, I can either be like, on cloud nine, just like, well, I live in the dream. Everything's great. I don't care. And then other times it can be the complete opposite. So, yeah, it really depends. But it definitely does haunt me a lot. And I think it haunts most musicians, the inability inability to be able to kind of appreciate where you're at. And, um, I mean, I guess that's just a human problem, but, it feels very palpable as a musician that, yeah, it's incredibly difficult to kind of just take stock of of the achievements you make along the way and actually how amazing they are because, Mm. I don't know, it's not, that's not the way the industry works. (laughs) That's not capitalism. That's not, um, you know, if we all were just happy and content where we are, there would be no more music (laughs) or there would be no, the industry would crumble. Uh, it kind of relies on on the stress of inadequacy, I guess. <laughs> God, it sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does suck. And I don't know. Some days I'm just like, I don't care about that stuff. I just like, you know, I'll delete Instagram off my phone, and I'll just be like, I'm me, just doing my life the way I want. <laughs> and then, you know, just something will happen, or you'll. Yeah, you'll just see something or you'll play a show and all of those fears kind of just kick straight back in. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm at at the moment. I'm just, I'm kind of in a weird period of my career at the moment, just like coming down from the, from my second album release. Yeah, okay. Well, it just sounds like, it sounds like you're just in that phase when after a project is done and you're winding down and you have to reflect on it and how it all went, right? And yours went 
I mean, yours is still going, I guess. It's like, it's hardly a slump. Yeah, yeah. But then it's kind of like you get thrown back into the sea, Mm. (laughs) back into the, okay, what's next? Like, you know, when's the next record coming out? Like, people have already been asking me a lot about if I'm writing, and I'm like, "Um, yeah, I guess, kind (laughs) of. I'm just trying to do the work as well. Um, Yeah, so... I was wondering if touring internationally for so long allows you to kind of sit in your success and enjoy it more for what it is? Like, enjoy or appreciate what you've done more than worry about the next project. I think there's just something inherently strange about doing something very creative, being in a real creative bubble, and then just spending a year and a half like performing that creative moment that you had a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, it it can be really great, but it also can start to feel, yeah, like you're you forget you're a songwriter and not a um, you know theatre performer or something. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, let's. I know. Yeah. Do do when people say, "What are you doing next?" Do you does that make you feel less? Uh, is it harder to take stock then of what you've got? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I think on that on the album tour, I kind of had a bit of a a, a breakdown mm. of feeling very frustrated with people asking me that mm. and saying that because this was early days. Like I just released the record, I just started touring, and I basically started touring, you know few weeks after I released it um, and then I was on tour for four months straight and, you know, within a month of that tour, if not less, uh, you know, you finish a show that you're so proud of because you've managed to fill all of, all of these spots and, you know, you've sold out a show that's really big and it's really exciting and, like, I was, you know, that was the first time I'd performed these songs live so I was, like, getting used to performing them and getting to know them in a different way. Um, mm. So I was still very excited about it. And then, yeah, you finish your show and it's like, great album, what's next? Or like, oh, that was a great, that was such a great show. Next time we'll, um, <laughs> you'll be in this other venue, which is bigger. And yeah, it's like, oh man, <laughs> can we not ever just relax? Yeah. Um relax and just appreciate like accomplishments and yeah. So I kind of was just like, I think it was just this one show after London. I played London. I was so happy with the show. It's just my biggest show I'd played and it was sold out. And it was just so epic and wonderful. And um, yeah. And then I had that classic um, music industry experience where your green room is like flooded with industry people after a show yeah. and you feel bit like out of control and everyone's like there's a whole bunch of people with champagne glasses like cheering and I'm like who are you um (laughs) they're like next time you're gonna play this venue I was like get out of my green room you fools and also you just like finished the show you just want to like the last I feel like after a show the last thing you want to do is actually really nat it out with people like we like let's oh the last thing yeah (laughs) oh it's the worst yeah (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, well, then maybe I should, uh, I don't know, make it absolutely clear that the album's, like, awesome. Like, the album's great, and you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I think the album's great, too. I have no, I have no regrets 
or any kind of self-deprecating tendencies about this record in mm. any capacity. I think it's great. <laughs> well, that's amazing then. Well, then I guess, yeah, you should take stock yeah. of that at least. Exactly. Like, like yeah. how rare is that to yeah. be actually pumped on <laughs> something that you've made that is then like scrutinized by people? Yeah. yeah. Well, then how do you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because obviously, yeah, I, especially in the world of the internet and stuff like that, you're, I'm sure you're dealing with the kind of the classic uh, don't read the comments kind of vibe and scrutiny and yeah. comparisons and all that kind of stuff. Like Trying that. not to, but I do sometimes and then deeply regret it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, it's probably hard to avoid. Well, then, okay, well, then, so mm-hmm. I guess you just have to focus on just how good that it would, like, okay, so even since you've last talked, like, I've known people who just, like, have kind of, like, needed your album or at least, like, I've been able to send them the song and then they can be like, oh, I feel this so hard. So, like... I know, it, yeah, it's it's still it's still definitely relevant, and I guess it's kind of that's really good. Great work, great work, yeah. Julia. Thanks. I know that sounds so condescending, but I'm just trying to be as sincere as possible. Like, no, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> At this point in the conversation, I realized just how weird it felt and how out of place it seemed to just genuinely say how much you like someone's work directly to them in a friendly way. I started thinking that. Maybe that's most of the problem with the creative life and that maybe we just need to do it more. So... Hello? Hi, it's Tom. Yes. Yes. I'm just letting you know I really like Iguana. Like, I've been listening to it all day and I still like it. And it's been like... <laughs> like several months. And I don't think I've actually actually told you before. <laughs> I really need to um, put your number in my phone. So. <laughs> you don't even know it was me. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, so I'm just like I'm just calling to let you know that I really like iguana. Um, oh. I've just been listening to it a lot, and I still like it. And thanks, man. So just good work. Just wanted to sincerely, clearly spell it out. That I really like. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this call all my life. Yeah, I know. I just realized, like, I've been working what with you for a few months, and I just haven't said it, like, crystal clear. You're so, recording me, aren't you? Yeah, of course. It's totally a bit, but it's a, it's a good bit, and like, it it needs to be said, right? <laughs> Shit. Hang on. Let me um. Let me get out of my chair, my office chair. Oh, you're you're working like a real person. Yeah, they gave me two weeks. Wow. Two weeks and um. In uh, corporate jail. That's um, if it makes you feel any better. I'm still in my pajamas, and it's like two things. Oh, <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, Julia, when we uh, spoke last time, uh, you said that you thought the third album was scarier than the second. Um, which, for a podcast which is about how scary the second album is, uh, it's either the perfect or worst quote. Uh, so, so I'm just wondering what you meant by that. Yeah, it's weird though because I feel a bit differently now. But I, oh, um, <laughs> oh I love it. <laughs> um, um, when we first did this interview, I said that I thought the third album was scarier than the second album. Um, which, in some ways, I still think on bad days. Um, because I think initially I thought that because I don't know. It's like the first two can be a bit of a fluke or. I don't know, you're sticking to the formula and and people are just like, well, you know, 
they've released two records that are pretty good. Like, yay. Mm. But then the third one is what cements you as like, you know, a, a great. Like you're lasting. You know? Like you've got. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, a lot of, I, I think a lot of my, like I've noticed how a lot of artist trajectories go where it's like the third album is the one that kind of like is where they find their voice properly and they really like that's when their career just kind of shoots into this kind of this way to me what looks like a way safer spot where you're not yet you're not having to prove yourself as much you've you've like you've pushed yourself into this like stratosphere that is above everybody else where then you can kind of release like four noise records and everyone will be like whatever like they made those they made those two great records and then that third amazing record and now they can do whatever they want until Got they it. die. Yeah, okay. Like that's kind of how I feel like but if you mess up the third record um by like I don't know. Yeah, whatever you, whatever that means. Um you you kind of stay in the you're still in the like trying to prove yourself part yeah. <laughs> which is like a bit more exhausting. But that's my view. I'm sure that a lot of people that I see as making the third great record do not feel like that at all. They're not like riding on this success till they die. Um, they would probably feel exactly the same as me. And maybe people look at me and go like, oh, she's made two great records. Like she's sweet. So it's all about our own insecurities just projecting onto people. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I guess the reason I, I've slowly, I've sort of stopped worrying as much right now about the third record is because I'm, I've, I think the more I toured this second album, the more proud I got of it and the more I realised that if that's it, like if my career is those two albums, I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with that actually, you know? Mm. And if I make a whole bunch of shit ones, I have, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just like very, I'm very proud of that record. I'm very proud of crushing. And um, I guess I'm taking a bit of pressure off myself and being like, if the third record is like, you know, doesn't take me to another level of anything, then that's, then that's okay, okay. Because your second album, you're so happy with how it's gone and what it's. Yeah, with how it's gone. And like, this is a real brutal industry. It's so like, you know, relevancy and. And timing so important, and like age. Like I'm, I'm 29, and I'm already being asked like if I'm freaking out about turning 30 as a woman <laughs> in the music industry. Great, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, which is so ridiculous. But that's kind of like this thing that's put on you, and mm. so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I can't. I I'm not sure like how long this will last. This whole this yeah, this whole ride is going to last. So. Now I'm like, I want to make a great third record, but if I don't, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Mm. I did pretty well and I have other skills and I will always make music, you know? Yeah, of course. Whether or not it's like under my name or as a lead singer or whatever, like I've, I think I realized over the last couple of months that you can, I think you can just forget, you can really forget why you do this when you're touring for a long time. Yeah. Like you, you are so far removed from where you started and why you started, which is like community, friends, um, you know, just the pure love of of wanting to emulate your favorite bands, <laughs> and like this really naive, beautiful, messy, weird time. Um, 
And once you start touring, it's like, it, yeah, you just, I feel like the longer you're away, the further you you move from that part of your life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, why was I saying that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds like that you're just, again, it just sounds like you're taking stock and kind of, especially coming home, you're, it's all like coming back to mm. Australia. You're obviously being able to see where you came from and the people that you kind of love and stuff like that. And Yeah. That sounds and healthy. Just, um, yeah, it is. It is. But I, and I think as well just acknowledging like the cost of this lifestyle yeah. on um, on the longer you're away, the less you come, you, the less you have to come home to, mm. which is like a hard thing to swallow, I think. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm a bit older now to just be like, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a tormented artist as well, Julia, so it's all fun. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, yeah, it's, I, I guess the one thing this podcast is sort of doing, or at least everyone I'm talking to, um, empathy is like some sort of like we're all in the same kind of boat and the boat is here. Mm. I remember I saw you perform... Uh, I think it was at I don't know, uh, in Newtown, probably a year and a half ago, something like that. And you introduced uh, "Don't Know How to Keep Loving You" and saying, "This is for all the couples who are about to break up." Mm. Um, yeah. And that felt like that probably hit hard for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I kind of I said that a few times, and I was like, "Hmm, maybe don't say that." Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's real. Like, I guess that's kind of it. Like, right. Um, uh, I think I was just trying to be funny, really. <laughs> yeah, cool. Just trying to like lighten the mood a bit <laughs> in a dark way, which is kind of my thing. Um, <laughs> but I realised saying that actually is like a bit triggering for some people. Like I know that feeling when you, I don't know, like if I'm with someone that I know it's not right, like it's all consuming. Like it's that's all I can think about to the detriment of everything else. So I know that you know if you're in a if there's and every there's so many people in the world who are in that exact same boat which I think is why that song hit quite hard for people Um, but yeah I don't know I I go I I think a lot about this and I really swing so far in both ways like where I sometimes I'm just going like I don't know if I feel actually quite if I feel good or if this is ethically right for me to turn my trauma and my relationships with real people into songs that then I perform like it, mm. there was a part there was like a period in the tour where I just suddenly felt a bit sick like I, I felt like I was profiting off off like my <laughs> my pain um, mm. in a way or that I was performing pain yeah you yeah. know like and that that there's something wrong with that, which is, I mean, that's music in general yeah. <laughs> in, in, from the beginning of time. Um, but just when, when, especially in the way the music industry is now, it's like you're making a lot of money off merch and, and kind of all of these different things that are, are not the music itself. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you're having to commodify yourself in a, in a bit of a strange way. Um, yeah, and like doing a lot of sync these days, like where it's your song, you know, you make most of your money or a lot of mm. a lot of the ways that people make money now is just through getting their songs in T V shows and ads and 
which was such a no-no like 10 years ago. Yeah, um, it was the idea of selling out or something. Yeah, it was this big thing about selling out and it's completely different now because yeah. that's one of the only avenues to make enough money to live off um, anymore. Mm. So there's that as well. Like sometimes I'll get these requests like, oh, can we put this song in this TV show? And I'm like, that's my heart that you want to put <laughs> in an episode of Love Island. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I need... You know, I need to make money. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, a minimum wage to survive and live. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly, but um, <laughs> yeah. But then on the other hand, it's like I never had any qualms about it when I was writing it, and I've always been a very open person. And I, as long as I feel like I'm not hurting anyone's feelings too much, or if I'm like being unfair, uh, I feel okay about singing about things. Yeah. In my life, yeah, um, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of my friends and the kind of community I grew up in are all music, musicians and songwriters. So it's kind of like that's the way to I do mean, it. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. exactly, and there's like a lot of songs floating around Sydney that are about me and about like you know <laughs> a lot of people I know, and everybody's kind of going through things that they turn into songs, and there's this understanding that's just the way it is. Yeah. So, um, but. I can see when you put that online and you kind of release music, you can kind of take on this form that is so far from that that little space that you initially created it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I'm performing it live, I definitely think I'm. I, the more I'm playing it, the more I'm leaning into just like being pretty open and trying to connect with people because I've realised when you tour for a long time, like connecting with the audience. And actually feeling like you're a human being who's just performing to human beings who, and everyone's feeling things and it's just like <laughs> it actually means something is like everything to me instead of it just being like, hey, guys, here's some songs and I'm going to say the same banter every night and mm. I'm going to like have all these little tricks that I do every single night because I'm a showman and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah again, performing yeah. your trauma or something. Yeah, Performing, yeah, turning it into some sort of show instead of it being just like a sharing of feelings and ideas, I guess. Mm. That's nice. That's nice, I said. Nice. What I meant was, it's good to hear, to know that good performers are constantly processing that, about performing the emotion. I'd say a singer's real skill, what they're actually a virtuoso of, rather than just being able to hit the right notes, is being able to express something in a genuine way, or to make you as an audience believe that song those words in that moment. It's really hard, to me at least. Like, if you can pull it off, that is, like, you are good. From that, it got me thinking about cover versions, and it doesn't matter how good a song is, the singer has to convince you just for two minutes that even though they didn't write it, that they feel it. So, I mean, this is the Polish Club podcast, and we haven't heard much from them this episode. So, I called in a favour to see if they could help with an emotional climax to this episode. I want to watch you I want to stay here like this I want to feel it all Every time that we kiss I want your mother Stay friends with mine 
That was Polish Club's Sophomore Slump, produced by Tom Hogan. All music by Polish Club, except for that song at the end, which was Don't Know How to Keep Loving You, written by Julia Jacqueline. Huge thanks to Julia for taking my phone calls twice. Her album, Crushing, is available everywhere, so go to juliajacqueline.com and get it. Polish Club have just finished their tour, and because it never stops, they've announced their next tour. So next week, let's talk to DZ Death Rays, shall we? Okay.